I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm Claire Mutimer. And I'm Susie Coulson, and welcome to The Backstory. In each episode, we'll be hearing about an experience that has happened to someone that shaped who they are. 30 minutes that remind us that everyone's dealing with something. So we're a documentary podcast, a docupod. Except you made that word up. And now for a word from Brian Moore. Hello, I'm Brian Moore from Brian Moore's Rugby Podcast. Each week, myself and a host of current and former players tackle the biggest talking points from the world of rugby. But what we don't want is our 15s game to go backwards. They've reached the final, which is brilliant, but they didn't win it, so that's not acceptable. But it would solve a lot of the problems, and uh, I just you need to get real, really. You got, you got um, my vote, Brian. <laughs> Lots of players who've, who've sort of gone through... The, troubles and difficulties and, and it's just important that we, we share and talk about it and, and don't be afraid to talk. That's Brian Moore's Ruby Podcast, available every Tuesday morning from Apple Podcasts or wherever you found this podcast. Tiff Youngs appeared at the age of 28 to have it all. Recently married to Tom Youngs, the England and Leicester rugby player, a new baby girl Maisie and a lovely family home in Leicester. However, this was all about to be turned on its head when she found out that she was suffering from Hodgkin's lymphoma. This is the remarkable story of how after more than three years of suffering with the disease and endless different treatments, Tiff was told that her cancer was now terminal. Only to find herself feeling better and better, leading to two scans this year which are showing that Tiff is now in remission. Claire went to Leicester to talk to Tiff and find out what it's like to be told you're going to die and then told you're going to live. So when I was first diagnosed, I'd had a little girl, Maisie, and I can remember speaking to friends and family and I was like, I'm so tired. And they were like, no, that's just the normal thing once you've had a baby, blah, blah, blah. And I was like... Maisie's sleeping from seven till seven in the morning at 12 weeks and um, I was like this still isn't right so I waited till about 18 weeks I had an awful cold and cough that I just couldn't shift for months and months and months I had it during pregnancy and I just thought maybe it was a bit of hay fever nothing was shown in my bloods at the surgery Um, and then I went into my doctors and sort of said I'm really sorry but I can't you know I was struggling so much with my cough I couldn't sleep 
and I needed to sleep with a newborn baby and went to my doctor, they took my bloods and I asked if I could have a chest x-ray. They uh, they booked me in for a chest x-ray so I rang them as soon as I finished at the hospital, um, at the doctor's and went to have a chest x-ray and that afternoon I was told over the phone um, that I basically had blood cancer. So what was your, what were your first thoughts when you first found out? Like how did you and Tom react? To start off with, I couldn't believe it. It's something that you hear, unfortunately, that lots of families go through, but you never ever to this day think it's ever going to be yourself. Um, So when I found out, I rang Tom at the club, couldn't get hold of him because he was obviously training. I didn't want to ring and tell my parents or anybody else um, to start off with as much as I was like, I need to tell somebody. So it was to the point that I rang the PA at the club and spoke to her and said, can you get Tom? Obviously, I was distraught on the phone. She probably couldn't understand what I was saying. And I was like, "Just, I just need Tom. And then Tom left training, which is an unheard. You just don't do that. Um, so it all sort of happened really quickly. So that night, obviously, loads of the boys are like, Tom, what's wrong? Hope everything's all right. So we had to sort of let people know ASAP, even though we hadn't got the 100% clarification of what I had, um, so we just had to give them a little bit of information. And then Tom, as he does, he just battles through, went into the club the next day for training. Um, Mum came up um, to see me. Uh, Tom's parents came up as well. Um, so, yeah, and then it was, I didn't really know after that. I was waiting for the biopsy and then to go from there, really. Tiff had a biopsy to see if it was Hodgkin's or non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, two different types of blood cancer, and they found out that it was Hodgkin's lymphoma. Lymphoma is a cancer of the lymphatic system, part of the body's immune system, which helps to protect us from infection and disease. And yeah, and then I was thrown completely into the deep end with a newborn child trying to get a routine and, you know, I was trying to look after her and trying to look after myself. Um, And they were like, it's the most curable cancer you can have, it'll be fine. And um, which it was to start off with, obviously it was a massive, massive shock to me my family because nobody ever in my family's been ever had cancer so it was a really hard thing to swallow especially for my parents and my you know the older generation like granny and grandpas they just couldn't really comprehend it really so that was basically the start of my four and a half year journey. Tiff's daughter Maisie was so young. 18 weeks old so very very little so trying to emotionally keep myself fine you know sleep pattern and everything else for Maisie I just didn't want her to take any of the stress off me. I wondered how Tiff's husband Tom reacted and how hard it was to hold down his job as captain of the Leicester Tigers rugby team and support Tiff. Tom is yeah I can't say speak highly enough of him really um he when I was told he was obviously distraught he was like Tiff you'll do it you know, you're so positive, you'll do it, you're a doer, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I will do it, I will do it. And to start off with, I was like, why me? I was so, I wasn't upset that I'd been diagnosed. I was just so angry. I was like, why me? And then I was like, but why not me? Why should somebody else have to go through it? And Tom was very good. And it was very difficult because obviously he was training every day. It wasn't like he was in a normal nine till five job. So he was like, I just want two weeks off. He couldn't do that. If not, he'd have been dropped and... Um, and he just carried on. And the good thing for Tom is that he went in and if he was having a bad day, 
he could basically destroy the scrum machine or do whatever and just, you know, use an object, not a person at the club to take that anger and stuff out. Um, but he was, yeah, he was apt. I wouldn't have been able to do it without him. Tiff's initial thoughts on what the treatment would entail were very different from the reality of the endless treatments she had to go through. I was very naive and just thought that chemo was just one sort of chemo. And if you had cancer, you just had a bag of whatever it was. And that was it. And obviously, I was very, very wrong by that. I didn't realise like I had to have tubes put in me like pick line Hickman lines I had to have like bone marrow checks and everything they had to clarify everything I had to have biopsies pretty much everywhere and um yeah the positivity of that was to keep seriously positive as much as sometimes you were like oh no I don't want to go out and I know loads of people have said oh Tiff you were so good you know you were really positive the amounts of time that I had to put that front on to be like yeah 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 the amounts of times that I've had blisters in my mouth just from biting my tongue and being like yep I'm fine instead of cracking um it's something that I would say to people that don't be afraid if somebody has an illness or somebody you know is not feeling great or something I found it very hard that a lot of friends and stuff they um they found it hard to watch somebody that they obviously love so much go through something like that and unfortunately I did lose some friends due to this because they just didn't know how to do it I felt that some people didn't know what to say to me like they couldn't say oh how are you because obviously it was pretty obvious I wasn't okay um so that sort of thing so it was actually me that had to sort of say hiya how are you you know sort of start the conversation for them to feel more at ease. Before Tiff went in for her own stem cell transplant, she decided to get Tom to shave off her hair at home. I had to have like 10 days of in serious treatment. So I was in hospital being pumped. I never, ever had the drip off me um, for all that time before I had my own stem cells put back into me. And it literally all just completely fell out after day three. Um, But I just couldn't I don't think I would have been very good waking up in the morning having half of my hair on the bed. Um, And because I am a little bit OCD, I just couldn't deal with the hair being lying around everywhere. So I just got it shaved and then went into hospital and just dealt with it there and then. But, um, But from there on, I was like, I'm still the same person. Whether I've got hair, eyebrows, eyelashes, I'm still the same person. But one thing you don't realize until you lose your hair is so many people hide behind their head of hair as their confidence. So like when I used to talk to people, I used to like twizzle my hair or tie it up or do whatever. And when I didn't have my hair, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm just going to have to pretend who I am and just sort of be the person I was. I wondered if Tiff and Tom's relationship ever suffered from all the treatments Tiff was having to go through. Yeah, it was it was hard because I wasn't loving myself, obviously at that time with no hair you know, trying to, you know, go to bed and stuff with Tom. And, you know, he was like, Tiff, I love you for who you are and everything. But I was like, how can you love this? Look at it. And he was like, no, 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 don't be silly. You've had a baby, you know, you've, you know, like my stomach, you know, from just injections and biopsies and bits and bobs. As soon as I came off my steroids, it was just water retention and it all just came off. But yeah, I certainly wouldn't. I was very, very conscious of my appearance. After her own stem cell transplant failed, 
She then went on a super strong chemotherapy trial in Manchester, which was attempting to clear her of cancer before a donor stem cell transplant. Which is when somebody goes in, has to do the medical and donate. Um, And then I had that and I wasn't in remission when I went in for that. Um, And then after 100 days after that, they scan you. Um, but the problem that I had, well, it wasn't really a problem, but most people have fresh stem cells. But because I had so many donors fail, I think I had three or four donors fail. So I, my stem cells weren't fresh. So they did say it might take a little bit longer for them to engraft into your bone marrow and actually produce white blood cells to fight infections. This was a tough process. Tiff was in hospital until they were convinced that her donor blood had taken over And she had a new blood group because it was a new person inside me. Thank you, whoever it was. Um, But um, yeah, so it was just, you know, a really slow process. I can remember coming home after my transplant and I was sitting downstairs in the sitting room by the fire. I was literally scratching my body. I was so itchy and it was just basically the graftosis and there was nothing that could cure it or help it. I just had to ride through it, which was really hard because... I wasn't in pain, but it was just so annoying. It was like having knits all over your body and I was just scratching, scratching, scratching. But finally, after about two months of having that, it was bearable then. But I was just, yeah, mentally tired. I was really out of breath 24-7. After 100 days, the hospital were due to scan her and see if the transplant had worked for her. I think Tiff knew that she was nearing the end of the line of treatments available to her. So after 100 days after having my donor's transplant, um, I had a scan and they told me I had four weeks to under a year to live. This horrendous news came last April 2017. I asked Tiff about that meeting at the hospital. So the meeting was, yeah, we were just waiting, had my scan and obviously I was very nervous sitting in the waiting room and then they called me through. And you can just tell immediately, like the staff was so good at Leicester Royal Infirmary, but I could just sense that something was up. Um, Like the staff were like, hi. And normally they'd be like, hi, how are you? You look really well or whatever. Um, How's Maisie? But this time it was like, Tiffany Youngs, can you come in? And I was like, didn't say anything, just got up and walked in and I sat down and I just knew. And my consultants were like, it's, you know, it's a really hard thing for them to say, actually, you know, they can't really get 100% attached to these people. But it was, it, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in their situation telling somebody that dreadful news. Trust you to think of them rather than yourself. <laughs> um, and what did, um, and like, so you obviously just, I mean, I, I can't bear to think what went through your mind, really. What did you think? I, well, to be honest, to start off with, I was like, well, I might as well just go now. I was literally like, I don't know if I can deal with everybody feeling sorry for me doing that and then I came home and every time I found out awful news like from scans and stuff I literally just had to come home have my moments at home you know speak to my husband and then just sort of be sort of very careful about how I was going to do the next bit. I was wondering why the terminal announcement came at this point in her treatment. I suppose when I was when I was 100 days the scan um that was just their protocol that that's what they normally do. And my question was, how come I was 100 days when my stem cells weren't fresh and mine were frozen? So that was something that was always playing on my mind. But 
that's sort of what they do 100 days as they have a scan and check it and they would have got some sort of insight if it was working or not but because I had so much treatment and I'd gone down so many different routes I think that's basically why they said there was nothing else they could do because there weren't other other options because I had four years of chemo and my body was just like not giving up but it was like I don't know if I can take this anymore and so they just thought like there's no signs of this like working were they seeing like an increase in the cancer at that point or like um I had some new spots yes when I came out um and then yeah so they basically said unfortunately there's nothing else we can do and they didn't to be honest I can't really remember it that well the scan because obviously they told me the news and I couldn't speak and neither Tom was you know distraught as well then of course there is the reality of telling other people um well it was really hard like when I was diagnosed I couldn't tell my parents because it's the worst news that anybody could hear um so unfortunately my husband told mum and dad And Tom had to let his teammates know what he and Tiff were going through. I can remember the day that he, I was told, I was like, Tom, you can't go into the club the next day, come on. And he went into the club and I don't know how he did it to this day. He stood up in front of all of the coaches and all the players and he told them all that that was it. And he just came home about, well, after training and that was it. And I I don't, even to this day, I don't know how he's managed to physically and mentally go through what he's gone through, keeping me at bay, helping, you know, doing hospital visits. I didn't ever have any hospital food. Um, Tom bought fresh food, cooked every single meal for me to get me better. Um, Yeah, he did everything possible. One of the hardest things for Tiff was telling her daughter Maisie about the news. So I just said, you know, mummy hasn't been very well. I said, unfortunately, mummy's got to go to heaven. And she was like, oh, so black and white children are they they take it as so well um well as best they can to what they understand and daddy's going to look after you and the grannies and grandpas and um she was like oh okay so I never see mummy again and I was like well no 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 but you can send mummy you know so we life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Did like a fairy garden. Um, so now nobody, if anybody comes over, she's very, very protective over her fairy garden. I sort of did like, a, well, quite a big memory box in the end. So um, yeah, so I did like cards all the way till she was the age of 30. Tiff knew the news had registered with Maisie when her friend told her what she had said. She had said to her friend, do you know what? My mummy's going to be dead. And that's just how she, you know, children interpret it. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I went into school and she told her school teachers and that was it. And I was like, pleased that she was so black and white about it, but a bit like, oh my goodness, that is seriously cutthroat. So the thing that like I've, I've been thinking about a lot is like, how did your perspective on everyday life change at that point? Like, you know, everybody has a different reaction, I'm guessing. Like, but what was yours? So when I was obviously told it, your perspective on life is literally so different. Everything I wanted to do was for my daughter. If somebody whinges like, oh my God, I've got a child. I've got to look after it for the whole weekend. My husband's away. I was just like, that really grated on me because I was like, you guys really don't know how precious that time is. Any day, you just had to take every day as it came. And I lived for every moment with my husband and daughter, like 24-7. And every time I was having a dull moment, I was like, come on, Tiff, you've got to do it. You've got to do it for Maisie. Come on. I never had a child for somebody to bring it up or to look after my child. I wanted to do that. So I was like, you know, I felt like I was letting her down if I wasn't here. Um, you know, the only thing that I sort of said to people was like, when I'm not here, please, can you just look after Maisie? Please, please, please. I was like, Tom, yes, obviously, he's older, he understands. But I was like, please just look after Maisie. She's going to be the only child. Did you and Tom discuss a lot about kind of what you wanted for Maisie in the future and all that sort of thing? Like, Yeah. Yeah, no, everything was put in place. I don't know if we discussed it. I think I probably just sort of told Tom what I really wanted and he was in 100% agreement with what I wanted. I didn't know whether he was going to have to give up rugby or not because he was obviously going to be a single dad with the daughter and he's training. Um, but actually, hopefully he wouldn't have had to have given up rugby if that was it. But we don't need to think about that because that's not what's happening. So I actually do know Tiff and Maisie is one of the best dressed children. She always looks super stylish. So I was wondering if Tom had been given any pointers on her hair and clothes for after Tiff had gone. Oh, I dread to repeat this story, but I will. Um, so I was like, so Tom got Maisie dressed. And, you know, I I, I don't, wouldn't say Tom hasn't got the awful dress sense, but I've had to help him along the way sometimes. Um, and yeah, was, Maisie came down after he dressed her one morning and I was like, what is she wearing? And he was like, well, what's wrong with it? She was wearing a stripy colour top. Like, what was she wearing? Oh, polka dot skirt or something and like glittery shoes and I was like oh my god she is not wearing that and Tom's like well she's fine I said she's not wearing that she looks awful so I went upstairs and I said you haven't even brushed her hair and he's like no I'm not very good at so I had to give him a lesson on how to brush her hair because she's got such thick hair 
He even went to the hairdressers to try and learn how to do plaits. Um, so that was, I was just like, no. And that was one of my things. I'd spoken to my mum and my mother-in-law. I was like, please do not let Macy not look respectable. I said, that's one thing I hate. Like, I don't want like bogeys hanging down. She's got to look nice 24-7. After absorbing this difficult news, Tiff started to research alternative therapies. She didn't tell the hospital, but she went up to London and saw a nutritionist and a woman with an extraordinary cosmotic machine. Tiff showed me the machine, which is a small, handheld device. She used to go up to London twice a week for the treatment, until she ended up purchasing a machine of her own to carry on using at home. There were only a couple of of the programmes that I could use to start off with, just because of my condition, which was Hodgkin's lymphoma, that um, basically the machine was telling my body to excrete the cells that weren't good for my body. Um, So I just used two. And literally what you do is you've got three metal prongs. I put it on my back, or Tom puts it on my back. It's on here. And you can see on the left-hand side, you've got the dose going up. So it's gone naught to seven. Right. And you'll hear the noise, which is activating all the cells. And then once it's done, you just move it back onto another spot. The first time I had my treatment... I had so much more energy um, to the point that I came home and cut the grass. Did you like ever question it at all, or were you always like, like, did you think, oh, what would a what would a doctor think about this? Or um, yeah, I definitely questioned it because it is very earthy and it's very natural. Um, it's a bit like a tens machine when you're in labour, but a lot, lot more advanced. Yeah, I said to my consultants and stuff, and they were a bit blasé about it which they would be because it's, you know, they've never heard about it. So I just did loads and loads of research and just came up and I was like, well, I've got nothing to lose. I might as well just try and do whatever I can do. But I went up twice a week to London to start off with. Until then, my pain had gone. I was really worried before when I had steroids. I came off them and I had really awful back pains. Um, So I just obviously said this to the lady who does the cosmetic machine. She's like, yeah, no, it won't be a problem this time. And I was like, hmm, okay. And she was 100% right. I was on the highest dose of steroids I've been on for the whole time. I didn't have any pain, nothing from coming off them. And then I'd heard so much about the cannabis oil, um, like on the TV and the papers and stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I've never done drugs. I don't really know what to do. And obviously I had to be careful with Tom. Tiff found a supplier of the strong THC cannabis oil. And started taking it. I sort of took it about eight, nine o'clock at night and then went to bed and sort of helped me relax and fall asleep because that was something I was very worried about. If I fell asleep, I didn't know if I was going to wake up when I was ill. Soon after Tiff's terminal diagnosis, Tom's brother Ben Youngs, who plays rugby for England, had the difficult decision as to whether to go on the Lions tour of New Zealand that he had been invited to play on. So it was really tough. I didn't really know and it was you know, really, really kind of Ben um, to make that decision. I didn't actually know he was going to do it until Tom came home and was like, I think Ben's going to do not go on the Lions tour. And I was, I burst out and crying and I was like, he can't, he can't not. This is his family life. It's his career. I said, he can't do that. And Tom was like, it's Ben's decision. If Ben wants to do that, Ben can do that. And I, I just felt really, really guilty. And I felt like I jeopardized his Lions tour and this and that um and you know I can't I can't really thank him enough really um but I understand why he you know 
why he didn't go on it because if something god forbid did happen then you know he'd want to be here to support tom and his family and everything else so but yeah that was a really hard hard thing to take especially when it went in the press as the summer of 2017 progressed into autumn tiff was carrying on religiously taking her alternative therapies and sticking to her strict diet and she noticed that she was feeling better rather than worse. Did you feel like ever anyone was like looking at you kind of like last autumn or something maybe and just been thinking, uh, I thought you were terminally ill. Like, you know, did you start to get looks kind of like, you're looking a bit too well. Like, I had a lot of people, um, like even school friends that I'd met obviously with Maze Against starting sort of preschool. They're like, Tiff, you're not, you're, you're not ill. But yeah, loads of people had said, you look so, so well. And I just thought people were just being nice and polite, but actually they were actually being right (laughs) with what they were saying. So, but yeah, no, it was hard, that sort of side of things, you know, just like people telling you that. And I was like, well, do I want to believe it? Do I not? Because I was like, if I believe it and then I'm going to have like, you know, going to have to open that door and have it slammed in my face again. And that's something that I was really conscious of. But luckily it hasn't been touch wood yet. So we'll wait and see. Tiff was offered a scan at Christmas time but she had decided against any more scans. She didn't want to discover that the cancer had spread, and especially not before what she had been told would be her last Christmas. It was really weird. I felt ill after Christmas, so February time, went into hospital, and I don't know really know what I had, but they thought it was swine flu. Um, Had to have the scan because they had to treat me correctly. And just after Tom, Maisie and her mum had left the hospital to go for some food, the doctor turned up to tell her the results of the scan. My consultant came in and told me the news and then, and I'd only had the scan that day, the CT scan, and um, she came in and said, yeah, you're in remission, there's no cancer. And I was like, what? And then I rang Tom and I was like, Tom, are you with mum? And he's like, yes. And I was like, put me on loudspeaker. So that I think they're going to Wagamama's or something, so they were in Leicester. And I was like, I was like, It's all gone! Didn't quite say it like that, but it had all gone. So mum and Tom, I think mum obviously would burst out crying. Then I was like, Tom's like, who do you want me to tell? I said, I'm I'm telling everybody, I'm telling everybody. So then I rang my dad. I think, bless him, I think he dropped the phone. I'm not really too sure what happened. Um, And so I was like, I'll speak to you later, dad. So I said goodbye to him. Then I rang my brother and sister. And then I told Tom's parents. um, They were over the moon. And then I... Tom and uh and then we told Ben and Shah over FaceTime. And so now how do you explain that Mummy isn't going to heaven anymore? Mate, you know Mummy hasn't been very well. She was like, Yes, and she went, You're still not well, Mummy, you're in hospital. And I was like, Right, okay, this one's going well. And it's probably thinking back, it's probably not the best thing to have told her in hospital, but I was just so excited and I just had to get out. Um and I was like, you know, Mummy lost her hair and wasn't very well. Um, mummy's all better now so mummy's not going to heaven anymore and she just cuddled me and gave me a kiss and it was so sweet and she was uh, you just suddenly saw a different person in her like she's like and then you know just a spring in her step and she's like mummy's not going and when she went to school the next day and told them all um, and like she rang up granny my mother and father-in-law and told them she's like my mummy's not going to heaven anymore she was just so excited and just to see her with that telling her friends like as much as people go, children don't understand. They really, really do understand. Um, you know, now she's like, Mummy, you don't, 
you can lift that bag because you're well now. And I'm like, so I can't get away with things that I don't want to do anymore. Um, she soon puts me in my place at the age of four and a bit. So, but yeah, she was, yeah, it was just amazing. But we still carry on. Like I've kept everything in place. God forbid if anything did, because I've done it now. So I'm not going to unravel it all. It's done now, whenever. And Tom couldn't wait to tell Lester Tigers the good news. I know when Tom obviously found out the news, he went into the club and like the coaches were like, oh my goodness, we've just seen a change in Tom. Um, just not not from his worth ethic and everything else, but just his general smile. And he wasn't, you know, it was just amazing. I wonder how easy it is for Tiff to start believing this news. Yeah, I do believe it, but I don't believe it. There's always that chance that it could possibly come back. Like, I'm not that naive to think it doesn't, but you know, it could come, anybody could have that. So it's just, yeah, but I am starting to believe it slowly. <laughs> Do you ever feel that people's reactions are slightly at odds to how you feel kind of? Do people take into account that it's quite a hard thing to kind of get your head around now or like, or maybe it isn't, I don't know, but I just sort of, I can imagine sort of people just being obviously just like, yes, that's just amazing news. Oh my God, you know, fantastic, brilliant, it's over now. Yeah, so when I was of people like, oh my God, like some people that I saw, they were like, oh my God, amazing news, like really over the top. And I was like, yeah, thanks. A bit like, mm, okay. I was sort of a bit embarrassed by it in a way, um, just because they were so excited for me. And obviously I was excited for myself, but I was a bit like, it's seriously early days still. And knowing my past, I hadn't been in remission for more than three, four months or whatever it was. Um, but a lot of my friends and people, they've, I don't know, they have sort of think I'm back to normal and life carries on how it was, which it does. And I'm trying to do as much as possible I can, but I still have to be careful. I do get tired and I always have a down day once a week. So I'm at home just doing nothing. Because it looks like the stem cell transplant was delayed, but has now kicked in. Tiff has had to have all her childhood immunisations again and will have to slowly build her immunity back up. Well, because I'm not sleeping very well at the moment still. It's quite a hard thing still to take. And I'm like, oh my goodness. If I Suddenly if I get cold or a cough, I'm like, oh my goodness, am I going down? Is it come back or whatever? Um, but mentally, yeah, it's a, been a hard pill to swallow. Being told that that's it, to being told, oh no, everything's fine open everything up you know the world's your oyster and I'm like and I have to I am treading very carefully on that um and I know lots of people have said Tiff you've just got to you know live for it and I'm like I am living for it but I'm just so terrified of it happening again um but my yeah I still get anxious quite a lot um I still get nervous when I go to places um especially not so much in big crowd which I never ever used to I used to be literally in a party didn't really care what people thought I just used to be the clown really um but now I'm yeah I'm a lot more reserved and yeah it has yeah I still definitely I probably find it harder now than actually when I was diagnosed in a weird way because I'm frightened of it coming back another thing that has been tricky is knowing that Tiff probably can't have any more children that's been quite hard to take because that's something I've always wanted to have was was to have a really really big family um but you know as I said to Tom, I'm lucky enough to just have one. And, you know, some people can't even have them. So having that news that the cancer has gone perhaps isn't as straightforward as Tiff might have imagined. Understandably, it is going to take her a while to come to terms with it. However, she is finding it helpful to help other people who are going through their own struggle with cancer. And she's keen to promote the benefits of the cannabis oil, diet and the cosmetic machine.
or like I've had so many people contact me directly that sort of side of things has really sort of helped me get through it just I feel like I'm giving back to other people to help who are going through an awful time as well that I went through so that sort of kept me going I'll always have it in the back of my head there's no doubt about it um but I will just you know carry on and just enjoy time while I can do you sort of imagine an old age sometimes now yeah I do yeah so um yeah now I'm like oh my goodness we've got to do this we're gonna do this and like planning well in advance which I'm you know I never thought I was gonna do but yeah it's forward thinking now so yeah holidays booked for the summer so which is exciting (laughs) thanks to Tiff for sharing such an amazing story If you want details of how to donate blood or platelets, then do see the show notes. We've also put a link to Bloodwise, which is the blood cancer research charity, should you wish to make a donation. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please share a link or retweet or share our Facebook posts or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really need to build our audience to keep us growing and keep us going. So anything you can do is a massive help. Claire and I will be back on Friday to discuss this podcast in our sister programme, Back Chat. We'll then be taking a short break, but we'll be back in a few weeks time for our next season. So please make sure that you're subscribed. It's completely free and it means that we'll automatically start dropping new episodes back in your feed as they're released. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.